so frustrating that it's not being solved. Data access is the bottleneck, not just for me, but for a lot of researchers around the world. You know, which cancer model is right for your experiment? You need to look at the molecular characterization of those cancer models, and then it becomes a data problem. We're now uh, launching our cancer models platform where we are helping CEOs that have cancer models to showcase those cancer models to the world by representing the data in a way that makes it easily accessible and searchable by the biopharma researchers who want to use these cancer models as part of their research pipeline. So I'm very keen to see uh, the difference that we can make in streamlining the work of research and particularly the research in, in cancer and drug discovery. I'm really keen to see how that work can result in uh, better treatments to patients and the other end. Hello and welcome to the Digital Biotech Podcast. We're a community of innovators at the intersection of science and data. Be sure to check out the website at digitalbiotech.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'm your host, Alok Tai. I'm the CEO of TetraScience, and we're a data integration and insights platform for the life sciences industry. Today, we're joined by Fiona Nelson. She's the founder and CEO of Repositive. We'll be talking a little bit about cancer models, as well as some of the data and the platforms they're developing to enable easier exchange and collaboration and query of said data. Fiona, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. You know, maybe to kick us off, could you give us a quick intro on yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Sure thing. So I am a, a bioinformatics scientist turned entrepreneur. I never planned to run a company. If you asked me 10 years ago, I didn't know I would be here today. But the, my background is in computer science and I went into bioinformatics and then I was working as a bioinformatics scientist in first in academia, then in industry. And I got really frustrated about the lack of data access in the genomics community. So I was working for Illumina, as you know, one of the biggest DNA sequencing instrument providers in the world, um, if not the biggest. And even working in the biggest place of generating all the, the data that we're working with in the genomics world today, we would I would uh, continuously find myself in a situation that I didn't have access to the data that I needed, not because we couldn't generate data ourselves or not because we couldn't look at that data, but because what you really need to generate insights from data is you need enough data to compare and validate against. So I left my work at Illumina um, now five years ago to start up Back then, I was seeing it as a project to enable better data access across the whole genomic community, researchers using, getting access to the data that they need, plus the data that is out there already being utilized to the uh, best benefit for the research community, which is in the end the best benefit for patients who will benefit from better diagnostics, better treatments, um, hopefully cures for several diseases. Um, so... Uh, so since I, yeah, so I can take it back from when I when I left the Illumina. So uh, I left Illumina to start up this this project, which first I incorporated as a as a charity. I created the charity DNA Digest, uh, and then we found it was difficult to get started on this big ambition of creating a, a platform for facilitating data access for research. 
so it was not until we spun out as a, as a commercial entity in August 2014 that we could get investment funding uh, to do so. And in doing so, we incorporated Repositive in a way that we are still true to the mission of the charity, which is to facilitate easier data access for the benefit of patients. Absolutely. No, it certainly sounds like a very unique career and trajectory and positions you well for uh, the problems that you're tackling. But maybe for the audience who might not be familiar with cancel models uh, and the current state, can you give us a sense of some of the data types, some of the uh, current challenges that exist, and how some of that data is currently used in Biofarm? So if you look into the, the challenges of data access, it's anything from um, access to data collections to access to data about the uh, genomic assets that you want to use for research. So if we look specifically in, in cancer models, so in the translational research space, where you have uh, cancer models that you want to use to test your drug candidates before you put them into clinical trials, you're really looking for finding the right cancer models to mimic the kind of trial you would, would do on a patient population. So if, for example, you have a, a drug candidate that you believe would have a better effect on a certain subtype of patient population with a specific genotype, then what you're after is really to find specific cancer models that are representing that genotype. And if you, and as with any biological experiment, if you want to have some confidence in the results, you need to have uh, several uh, samples. You can run several experiments in parallel to make sure that your results are robust. So this is the, the last step in translational research before you go into clinical trials. Nowadays, it's a requirement that before you test drugs on patients, you've test, tested those uh, drug candidates in, in living cells. And this is where you need model systems such as, for example, immunocompromised mice that are growing uh, human cancer cells, or you need other models such as organoids or 3D systems that you can grow human cells and test the drug candidates on there to see if they are making the tumor shrink or having an effect on the, the growth of the tumor. But now to make that selection of which cancer model is right for your experiment, you need to look at the molecular characterization of those cancer models. And then it becomes a data problem because as you know, the genomic characteristics, if you take a whole genome sequencing, you already have the first 3 billion base pairs to, uh, to look through. Um, this is not a simple text file that you browse. No, you need to be able to easily pick out and select, is there a certain genetic variant? Does this breast cancer have a BRCA mutation? Is there a copy number variant in this cancer model, et cetera? And then find the right cancer model that works for your particular research setup. Wonderful. You know, one thing I'm curious about is genomics is one data type in the context of a cancer model. We're starting to see that in translational sciences, for instance, other data types or other uh, aspects of uh, uh, the tumor also start to be characterized. Proteomics, imaging data, flow cytometry data. How do you think about the relevance and the cross-linking of insights across those various data types that feed into uh, an experiment or a measurement related to cancer? Yeah, and all of those different data types you mentioned are, are relevant in, in the essence that if you have something that can be a biomarker that you can use to help stratify a patient population, well, if you can measure it in a, in a patient, you can measure it in a, in a cancer model, right? Because it's basically about whether you can 
identify that marker in some human cells. So whether that's a proteomic marker or it's a, a metabolomic marker or it's a, a genomic marker is, I would say that all those possibilities exist. The science behind the genomic and genetic markers are probably more well established by now. I mean, everybody knows about the BRCA mutation, for instance, that this is, there's a direct link between having this particular genetic variant and having uh, tumors that have a certain growth progression and uh, the, the aggressivity of these tumors, etc. But the, all the other types of data that you mentioned, all of these types of data could be potentially your way of selecting the criteria for which are the right patients to target this drug for. I mean, in the end, you'll have companion diagnostics, not just based on genetic tests, but on any, any test for biomarkers that you can think of. Wonderful. Well, you know, I think it's a, a very burgeoning area that provides a lot of opportunity to use data and as well as sophisticated analytics, et cetera, to be able to hopefully better understand the disease in order to, to cure it. But, you know, what I'd love to l- learn a little bit about, and I think the audience would love to hear, is how your experience with cancer uh, models and the bioinformatics approach has led to repositive specifically and what types of activities and collaborations as well as the ways in which your platform is being used uh, in the market. Yeah, absolutely. So let me tell you about how we started to look into the cancer models area uh, specifically. So it all came from the work that we're already doing with various genomic data collections. We had a platform with a lot of users accessing genomic data, and we're looking for what are really their pain points with genomic data today. And one of our user groups were um, researchers from within AstraZeneca, and we asked them, so what kind of data do you access? What is difficult to access? What is the real challenge here? And they say, actually, uh, one of our biggest headaches today is getting access to data for PDX models, that is to say, uh, cancer models that we use in our um, translational pipeline. And based on on the back of that conversation, we started a collaboration with AstraZeneca that uh, resulted in running a, a pilot project where we first showed sort of proof of concept like that, yes, it's possible to make it easier to find uh, and assess the different cancer models based on the data, including the genomic data, from across many different providers of cancer models. So we ran a pilot project with AstraZeneca and Boeing Engelheim and a handful of cancer model providers. Uh, that was a one-year project which ended in April this year. And then on now as a result of that, we're now... Uh, launching our cancer models platform where we are helping all the CEOs that have cancer models to showcase those cancer models to the world by representing their data in a way that makes it easily accessible and searchable by the biopharma researchers who want to use these cancer models as part of their research pipeline. So what started off as a data access question was how what kind of data do you want access to and why? It turns out that there's a whole bottleneck in translational research about how do you get access to the right models to move the research project forward. And the change we're making with the repositive platform is that we're helping both the researchers easier search and compare what data is out there to find the right model, but just as much helping the COs that are the providers of these cancer models to represent the data in a way that is most efficient in showcasing what they have and most, let's say, user-friendly to make it easy for those 
uh, to match the models with the users uh, who are interested in those particular models. So in this way, as a platform, repositive functions as a marketplace that is connecting uh, these two sides of the market. That's great. So is the business model to help set up these new CROs and help bring on these data sets, but then um, charge based on queries or based on access or what? So we are helping the CEOs, we're helping them gain access to their customers, which are forming uh, basically the baseline for their, their business. Uh, so in, in doing so, we make agreements with our CEO partners to charge commission on the, the sales they make that are facilitated through our platform. We're also running a network of expertise in translational research, which we're running with our biopharma partners, uh, where as part of that subscription, the membership subscription, they get access to this platform where they have easy access to, um, to search what models are available. So in this way, we are uh, catering for uh, both sides of this market and at the same time bringing together those experts that have knowledge about what are the newest cancer models, what are the newest technologies, uh, how do you actually assess the quality of a cancer model? A lot of discussion, for instance, recently about syngenaic models. How do you know if it works before you actually go and, and buy such a model? Um, what, what is it that you need to look out for? So to, to address these questions that come, always come along with new technology, we bring uh, the experts from both the CIO world and the biopharma world together in, in workshops and uh, discussion panels uh, events that we usually hold in connection with other conferences and that is bringing them value in learning about what are actually the newest technologies out there and what are the best type of models that are most suited for what I want to test in my experiments. That makes sense and I'm curious as you bring on data sets from different CROs and uh, companies and institutions search across each one of those might be difficult if the schemas and the data is not integrated from contributor to contributor. That problem is it uh, less about search uh, within the data sets and more about just finding a specific uh, data set associated with a cancer model? Or how do you guys think about that integration challenge across those data sets? Uh, so the, the, the service as it looks for the uh, CIOs is that we are helping them streamline their data in the in comparable formats. So basically we're offering them tools that they can use for free or they can ask us to run them for a fee where we basically streamline the metadata formats as well as the genomic data representation as well as the processing of the data so that what you get out the other end and what is searchable on the platform is not only the high level metadata but also genomic characteristic across the different models across the different vendors because it's all comparable. That's great yeah I think uh, there seems to be a lot of interesting opportunity when you're able to start to pull together those data sets and make it not necessarily homogenous but at least consistent, if you will, uh, across. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so uh, can you give us a sense of perhaps the number of cancer models or the number of participants you have in the marketplace today? Yeah, so um, so we're still in beta, um, the beta that we presented at AACR in April this year. So we are now onboarding the vendors that are presenting their models on our platform. We are on track to have more than 3,000 models 
listed on the platform by the end of the year. In the meantime, we have lots of demand from the biopharma. They come to us to ask us, where do I find a model like this? Where do I find a model like that? And what we have, what we're doing at the moment in order to satisfy this need is that we're running a personal shopper campaign where we, at no charge to the biopharma, we help them find the right model across all our network of vendors. And we have DCOs uh, all across the world. We have some in China, some in Europe, some in the US, uh, with many different specialities of what models they have. So um, anyone who's listening to this, if you're looking for cancer model, uh, you can't find it, specific type of cancer model. Uh, if you get in touch with Repositive before the end of 2018, we can help you out for free to find the right provider of that cancer model for you. Well, that's, that's certainly a great offer, I think, for uh, those interested in the space. I'm curious, like for your uh, technology and your software, do you see a future by which you start to do things like the analytics, provide that as a service, um, identify insights across those uh, different genomic sets? Um, so what we do is that we, by standardizing the representation of data, um, we are offering our um, our vendors, our CEOs. We're offering them uh, another way to provide access to the data. So if they have uh, some data which in aggregate is maybe more valuable, they can then license that out for research purposes. For example, for some want to do biomarker discovery, well, if there's a CEO over here that has uh, data from a number of cancer models which are relevant for that biomarker discovery, they can put in a licensing agreement in place um, to, to license access to that data from that CEO. So that's what we're doing. From a marketplace perspective, a lot of the interaction, both via our face-to-face event, but also via the platform, we get feedback from both the biopharma and the vendors about anything they, they can't find. Uh, so if there's a big demand for a certain type of model, which is not represented in the market, this is information that we can then uh, feedback to the vendors so that they know which kind of models would make sense to work on to make available in the market because there's a, a demand for them. That's really exciting because I could also see from the perspective of perhaps the CRO that this is a new opportunity for them to not only showcase their capabilities, but then also deliver new types of services in a new way to customers based on uh, that existing data set. Yes, indeed, yep. That's wonderful. So, you know, I think maybe uh, given the experience you've had uh, both working in industry and previously as an academic, would love to get your thoughts and uh, learn a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. We found that many of the listeners really enjoy hearing how men and women like yourself become entrepreneurs, especially when you come from more of a scientific background. Yeah, so um, my journey really started when when I was, well, in, initially I didn't want to uh, go to university. I just wanted to go out and get a job. As I said, I had no plan of uh, starting a company. I just wanted a job, but did computer science because that was easy. But I wanted to do something which with more impact, something nobody, nobody cares who makes a website. It's not something that uh, makes a difference in the world. I was thinking, what makes a difference in the world? Then I came across bioinformatics. I thought that's a way of using the computer science knowledge to something that makes a difference to to life sciences. And um, then I got introduced into genomics. And the move from there to then entrepreneurship, that was when I was 
facing a challenge as part of my my day-to-day work and realizing actually there's a challenge here which is just so frustrating that it's not being solved. Data access is the bottleneck, not just for me, but for a lot of researchers around the world. How can I address that challenge? So the the drive for finding a, a project that has an impact in the world is something that is important to me, The as well as the drive to solve what was my own frustration as a scientist was a real frustration for me. And the the case of working in an area that can make a real difference for cancer research and cancer patients has a lot of meaning to me personally because in my close family, my both my grandfather and my mother have been through the whole cancer story of treatment. And this is where you see the kind of treatment of cancer today in the clinic is very far from what are the promises of precision medicine because the broadly applicable uh, chemotherapy that has nothing to do about what is the particular reason why your cancer uh, came to existence in the first place. So I'm very keen to see uh, the difference that we can make in streamlining the work of research and particularly the research in in cancer and drug discovery. I'm really keen to see how that work can result in uh, better treatments to patients on the other end. Oh, it's really inspiring. I think, uh, you know, there's hopefully lots of scientists out there who are doing exciting work either at the bench or uh, computationally that hopefully can uh, draw inspiration from your own career path and explore or at least consider a, a career as an entrepreneur. So, you know, with that, I uh, would love to thank you for being on the podcast today and uh, are certainly really keen to see the uh, launch of Repositive, you know, through the end of the year and growth and hope to have you on again soon to talk about uh, your learnings after that. Thank you very much, Luck. It's really great to be here and it's great chatting with you.